Welcome to In The Soup, the podcast by restauranteurs for restauranteurs. I'm Christian, a former restauranteur who has set up a predictive analytics and forecasting platform. I took what I learned from my days running restaurants to build Tenzo, an app that makes running restaurants much more zen. Tenzo is about giving managers and head office actionable insights. So I thought, what better way to add to that than to talk to real restauranteurs about their journeys to hopefully help others facing the same challenges. Welcome to our second episode uh, where I talk to Rob Harris, the FD of Upham Group. Uh, we're recording this from the comfort of each other's home due to the ongoing pandemic. I met Rob uh, in August 2016, nearly four years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. So, nearly, so clearly one of our early adopters as we're celebrating our fourth birthday next year. Next week, not next year, next week. <laughs> Uh, Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, no worries. Thank you for inviting me. It, I'd just love to start just by uh, asking you to give our audience a little bit of a, an intro about you. Yeah, so um, I'm a qualified, uh, qualified accountant. Um, I qualified way back um, in industry uh, in 2001 with Kraft Foods. After that, I worked for Tony and Guy. Uh, I did a stint in a central reporting role with, Chan- with Channel 4 Television and a period with Unilever. Um, and then in 2008, uh, I moved across to the hospitality sector, very luckily, um, as part of McLaren, uh, the automotive and Formula One company, um, which is just a mind-bending place to work. So I did two years um, as the FD, uh, divisional FD of their, uh, they had a high-end catering company, obviously naturally in an automotive portfolio. And then um, I did uh, nearly three years for them in a non-financial role, heading up their um, their events division. So uh, divisional P&L responsibility, but no specific financial responsibility. Uh, I'm married, I have two kids. That is not a lifestyle. International events is not a lifestyle that fits with that. So um, after five years there, I did a year uh, with a, oh, I don't know what the phrase is, a wonky <laughs> hotel group run by run by an entrepreneur, uh, amazing properties, but um, yeah, an interesting approach to business. So that didn't work uh, for me or him, actually. Um, so then nearly six years ago, I joined Upham as their FD. Uh, we are a uh, 15 site pub company based in the south of England. Uh, 13 of our 15 sites uh, have bedrooms as well. They're all um, food led, uh, relatively, um, relatively uh, premium product. Um, and uh, up until very recently, a lot of autonomous suppliers, autonomous menus, a lot of freedom and creativity um, um, for chef. Um, so yeah, I've been there, yeah, five and a half coming on six years. Um, so that's a little uh, potted history of my, my career so far. Uh, that, that's a, clearly a very, very uh, diverse uh, range of experiences there. And I, and I know the guy who leads the sales at, at Tenzo um, is very much into his F1 and, and would love to hear more about, uh, uh, how, how did you get into McLaren and, 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 and that? T- tell us more about that. So I guess I was um, 
I I was keen having uh, I sort of ended up in in sort of central finance roles in you know big ish companies and I, I never really intended to be an accountant it just sort of all of a sudden I'd been doing it for over 10 years and you know and I, I just didn't fancy the sort of the just going ever bigger company you know ever bigger numbers ever bigger team um, so I, I had a stop about what industry or sector or companies I, I might like to go for and, and sort of waited until things came up that I really wanted. Um, so was probably looking for that job for nine months, 12 months and being really picky. Um, ended up, as these things always do, with a frantic shootout at the end between um, Absolute Taste, who were the McLaren, uh, the division of, of McLaren, a very high-end catering company, um, and Innocent Smoothies, interestingly enough, who um, who had they actually moved quickly enough, they could have had it done and dusted um, before I even knew about McLaren. But I was being really picky about about what I wanted, where I wanted to be an accountant, because accountancy is not particularly my passion, but it's a it's a skill set that helps me get into things that are. So um, that's how I ended up um, w- with McLaren. Um, it's an unbelievable world. Um, if you're going to learn, really, I was learning hospitality. If you're learning standards and expectations, you know, they are just, um, you know, the, the expectations, front of house, back of house, standard of food, standard of service um, is, is it's a great place to learn, a challenging place to learn. Um, yeah, and after two years on the, on the finance side, guess a little bit well, look, I'd be kidding anyone if I didn't just like the look of it as a job um, quite a lot of international travel you know quite glamorous places Abu Dhabi Monaco um, you know there were some pluses to that but there was a part of me as an accountant that was just like you know the big weakness in any in any commercial operational situation is you know your finance what do you know well I've now been there you know I've been clearing down slops at three in the morning so when the guys are now talking to me in with in my hospitality world now they they know that I've been there and done it and you know and I I get that side of it so I'd be lying if I said it was all that because I mean it was amazing fun I was I was in my mid-30s probably and I was old for that network for that um it was you know Monaco was was eight 18 hour days straight um probably lose over half a stone in a week and then when you when you shut the doors on the wagons at 11, 12 o'clock on Sunday night, having worked here all week and within those hours, you just went out. That's what you did. And you got to bed <laughs> at six in the morning, you know, and you and you came home and you got over it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. But I, I was old in my mid-30s doing it. So God, I couldn't keep up now in my 40s. So, um, <laughs> but an amazing experience and a completely different management skill set, managing you know, chefs and event sales teams and you know event managers and operators whereas previously it had mostly just been you know aspirational accounting graduates and just dealing with their aspirations so yeah yeah really useful yeah it must have been incredible to uh, you know when you're now in in the fmb space and and you know leading up the finance uh, at at up and be super helpful for you to uh, have that credibility to be able to say hey you know i've seen it i've been on the on the ground and 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 seen that firsthand so uh, totally see that that can help a, a tremendous amount um, I, I wanted to, to obviously, we're going to be 
talking somewhat about covid um uh, is there anything else <laughs> is there anything else i mean the news is only that you know i was reading yeah. somewhere someone saying i don't think they'll ever end the lockdown because uh, the media has realized that it's the best uh, uh, clickbait there is out there they they they're getting more more audience than, than they ever had so they'll never want to get it have it end <laughs> but but yeah so clearly we're recording in the uk and we're still uh, under the lockdown um yep. hospitality businesses have been closed since the 22nd of March. And uh, I mean, I'd just love to just hear a little bit about how the last, I think it's six weeks now, have been uh, both for you personally and, and for the business. Yeah, I'd say the in the run up to close down, I'd say that was that was a very strange week, the week when the UK government sort of advised people that they shouldn't be going to pubs and hospitality venues, but didn't close us. Um, I'd say that was from a business continuity point of view that was probably my, my scariest week because we, we didn't have any government support in that time sales were dropping off of a cliff but conversely it was also it, it was you know our, our 15 pubs are, are broadly rural based in in local communities we do have one or two in suburban sites but um but they they became in an incredibly short period of time they became unbelievably embedded in their local communities and the teams you know stepped up we're fortunate to have you know, great teams at all of our sites, but in the few days between those two things happening, it was a there was a real noticeable spirit. So while it was a a really tricky week from a you know financial corporate perspective, there was also some amazing team building and community stuff stuff going on the ground. Um, and then I guess you know when we closed, uh, I guess there was a just a sense of relief and also a huge sense of disappointment. You know we work hard; these are our pubs; these are our people. Um, you know, while occasionally they can be a pain in the, you know, we like our customers, we're in hospitality because that's what we do. And then, but there's also some relief in that, you know, being open with very little sales was, was hard. And then it was just a sort of a frantic clamor to understand, uh, the job retention scheme, you know, to secure, to secure some finance, um, get in the C bills process. So there was a big a real you know really long hours really sort of having to make really quite big calls based on such limited information i'm not knocking the government's policy in any way but if you're going to announce a policy of that scale in 40 seconds you know if there's going to be holes in it you know we had 400 staff wanting to know what was happening to them and you know each of them with their own situation right? there's a lot of commonalities what they do but they all have their own situation as well and you know we're a we're a small central team. We have two executive directors, neither of us HR, neither of us legal, neither of us. Um, so, yeah, doing the right thing for everybody, staying in the right side of the law, interpreting the policy. Um, so I think we've now furloughed 380 something or other staff um, and we got a small team centrally still working. Secured some additional finance from the bank in the short term, and we're now in the CBILS process with everyone else. So there was a really frantic two or three week period where it was scrabbling to tick all that off. We then, as we, we we'd had a, a long period coming up to the end of 2019, where we'd been through a deeply complex and taken several different turns on a corporate finance route, and and the business had had suffered a little for that. Um, through the back end of 2019, we, we slightly changed the business model, simplified what we were doing, changed our menus, we're looking at our supplier base, um, got ourselves back into sales growth, probably about 
six weeks before <laughs> um, the pandemic struck. Um, so then there was a period where we were very focused on, right, we're going to, this is a great opportunity to finish all these projects. You know, we're never going to have this opportunity. You know, the central team, almost not burdened with the day job, you know, can really crack on and we can, when we open, we can come back into this state. So, so we, we spent a period really progressing that, making good moves with, with menu changes, supplier base changes, system changes, again, restricted by other companies, furlough restrictions, etc. But then probably the last week or 10 days, that work's not quite finished, but but it's nearly there. We've also, it's become apparent in the last, it's difficult to put dates on any of it, week, 10 days, that we're not going to be opening in whenever it is in, in the format either that we closed or the format that we thought we were likely to be in. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be different. You know, there's going to be social distancing. There's going to be, you know, different customers are going to have very different desires, reluctances. You know, the menu's going to have to be be, be quite, I don't know, quite quite different. Is we're going to have to probably for a protracted period work off a fundamentally smaller cost base than we are used to. Um, you know, and there's so much uncertainty in. Um, you know when we open what opening looks like what level sales are likely to be at you know what what additional costs there might be around you know the requirements to first and foremost make sure everybody's safe and then how do you make sure everybody's safe when we talk about it you know, people don't come to our aren't coming to our pubs because functionally they're hungry you know if they're functionally hungry they can grab something at home they're coming for an experience now if you know they're kind of not going to come if it's you know if it's overly sterile and overly spaced out and no atmosphere and you know people dressed in you know whatever hospitality ppe will look like um but also you've got to do all those things um, otherwise you're not going to be able to open so we've really switched in the last week 10 days to um you know what does reopening look like what i think you know, we're we're a fundamentally simpler business closed with the government paying the majority of our staff costs. It becomes a more complicated operation reopening in the environment that, that, that we think we're going to. So I think they're the that's probably the evolution of I mean, surely that must have been longer than six weeks, Christian. <laughs> I know. I, I totally I mean, I listen to you and I'm just like, my God, that feels like six months worth of, of uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and the time has taken this weird shape that you're just like, has a week gone by already? You know, it's just like yeah. six weeks have gone by. My God, where's that time gone? And, and, yeah. I, and I totally, I mean, just reflecting on, on, on our experience of, you know, the, the last uh, the last few weeks. I mean, we're a much smaller team, so I, I can't even imagine on on uh, on the scale of four hundred people. But emotionally, I felt that there's been like a real uh, because it's been so difficult to see what what's going to happen. And and to be fair, I, I think you 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 rightly call it out. I, I like I'm not looking to blame the government or in any way. I think they've done an amazing job in, yeah. in, in because yeah. like if you think about what they've been facing and they're getting people from all these industries calling in saying, hey, by the way, you're going to need to save restaurants. Oh, you're going to have to save banks. Oh, you're going to have to say, you know, like it's endless. Right. And and they've actually, I think, come up with um, very good schemes and done an incredible job, really. But but even with that and trying to understand it and then have people look at you to say, hey, by the way, can you explain this to me? And you're just like, well, 
I'm not sure I understand it fully because the details aren't fully out there yet. So it, it, it's a, a navigating the business through that. Um, and, I, and I think actually now looking back, that was the easy bit. You know, as you say, the hard bit is to come because uh, both for the government and for you and for me and for and for everyone in the, in, in the industry is understanding what does reopening look like, first of all, and how do you go from a situation where the government's paying all these, fur you know, everyone who's been furloughed to then being like, well, actually, I probably don't need everyone back on day one. I, I might need like 20% of people back or 40%, or, or you know, and how do you ramp that up? And, and I think there's a big question also around like, if they are going to ask social distancing in restaurants, which I think you're right, they will do, is you know, a restaurant can't be profitable if they're being asked to use only 30% of their capacity, right? This is not built for that. So what what comes in to replace that, I think, is a real question. And, and how long in particular does this last? Is this, you know, so I think those questions are ones that it's just so hard to know today. And, and, and trying to make decisions with that in mind is, is extremely, extremely difficult. So yeah, on the uh, uh, you know, uh, please don't interpret that as, as any criticism of the of the financial support that, that the government provided from from a business perspective. I, I I think they've done a fantastic job. I'd also probably you know tip my hat to to uh, UK hospitality and, and Kate Nickel, who I think have have you know like you said, there are so many industries out there in in similar boats and competing. And but um, you know, I think hospitality has been. It's not perfect, you know. There's there's gaps in it. It's always going to be. I think hospitality has been done well, um, mm. by, by the government thus far. You know, I think reopening and all of those uncertainties still to come. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I certainly think. I, 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 you know, my understanding is that UK hospitality have have led a chunk of that. Um, and I think while it has been complicated and at times difficult to interpret, and you know, the nature of it is that that lands with the FD. You know, why, why wouldn't it? Um, um, yeah, I, I think that shouldn't that the the, com, the complexity of it shouldn't mask you know getting getting the um, job retention portal open in that time frame and then not having it fall over five minutes later. I mean that's that's, that's some kind of you know work of mystery that that I guess you know Rishi <laughs> Rishi Sumac's come from nowhere to you know w welcome to your first three months. Uh, but yeah, um, exactly. yeah, I mean that's some <laughs> kind of achievement. You don't often. You don't often hear small businesses, you know, waxing lyrical about HMRC, but you know, hats off to them. That's that's some kind of process. Yeah, I agreed that that, and I think in in uh, it's interesting on the on the tech community. There's been a lot of people commenting saying being able to launch something that quickly, and no one. I've not heard one complaint about it, and and I, I don't know about you guys, but the, the the that money has already landed in our account. I'm just like, wow, the speed of that. And then on the you look at the other side of the pond in the US, where they where everything is like breaking, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what? What I was say. So we, yeah, we, um, we 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 actually took the call to to delay a week, partly because we we were worried what day one might look like. Um, and also because it then meant we could capture a month, a monthly pay cycle into it. So, um, but yeah, the um, thankfully mechanically that wasn't my job to to battle that system. But um, yeah, submission made, no issues, uh, and that was Monday. Um, and I think you know all our all the information we've had is that it's been you know six working days has been the longest time frame, and some people have uh, have had it a bit quicker. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, so yeah. 
So I, I don't know if you if you can cast your mind back to pre-COVID days, if, they, <laughs> yeah. if we even remember what those days are like. Uh, I, I, I'd just love to hear a little bit about what, what does your day-to-day, what did your day-to-day look like pre-COVID? And, and I, I think you, you've you've told us a bit what it's been like and, and no, no yeah. day seems alike since. But but yeah, pre-COVID, what, what was it like? Um, so I guess we'd, we'd been through a long period, a protracted period of corporate refinancing, which had ended sort of late summer 19. So so since then, we, we had been, I don't know what the best word is, sort of rebooting the business. So day to day, you know, I'm, I'm mechanically responsible for the financial transactions. I have a fabulous outsourced um, finance team that you know, do virtually all of that. Um, um, so while it's my responsibility, it doesn't occupy a massive amount of my time. So we were very much looking at menu consistency, rationalizing our supplier base, putting a light touch brand across our bedroom collection um, while the pubs will remain individually branded. Uh, there's mileage across um, putting a brand across our uh, about 150 ho- um, bedroom estates. Um, so so I guess, you know, day to day, it was a mix of finance, quite a lot of operational input um and at that point we were um you know making those those changes as well as the day-to-day elements of you know running the pub sales you know all the issues that that come with those that work in hospitality and those you serve in hospitality i think you know i i don't miss driving 2000 miles a month um that's um that's quite a difference you know but i was probably two half days at home a week um prior to that just you know to try and clear get on top of things um so that's you know that's interesting the commute now is to the uh to the end of the drive where i got a little office in the garage <laughs> nice. um so you know so, so so that's quite a big change um i've also become much more grand you know actually you know furloughing everyone and all of a sudden you know all of the sort of accounts payable queries of mine it's like okay and actually looking at how some of that set up and how we've like oh okay so you know we will open reopen with a lot of things that were fine before but you know must have just been taking time and effort to administer you know it's had a bit of a window to to, to just stream some of those out so yeah more transactional in this just because <laughs> all roads for suppliers um lead to me yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, the location, um, you know, not being in pubs, not eating in pubs. Thankfully, I touch wood, I've managed to avoid, well, yeah, definitely probably gin and wine consumption has gone up. The calories have probably been offset <laughs> because I'm not having quite so many, you know, cream and, you know, heavily seasoned and et cetera meals through the day. Um, so my diet's probably got marginally better because um, <laughs> even if you eat the healthiest thing on a pub menu, it's... um. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think the day job has changed a vast amount. You know, I still have all the responsibilities, if you like, just the focus of some of it has shifted. Um, and there's been periods, I think the time horizon has shifted in terms of, you know, we had periods where we were, you know, managing to a one or two week horizon and then, you know, now we're actually, we're probably extended again because, you know. The life, it will take us that much longer to get where we wanted because we've got a lot of bigger recovery to fix. So probably our um, you know horizons have changed in terms of for periods where it's been as short as a few days, and then it's like oh breathe, it's it's three months, oh it's nine months, and now we're probably on a you know 
while there's a reopening horizon to get over, we're probably on a three or five year trajectory, whereas previously we were on a one or two year. Um, okay. and, yeah, but, uh, and so you mentioned there, like uh, having to handle suppliers. And I think, you know, it's, it's really, it's one of the areas that is really, int well, sensitive because so in terms of your, you've got a pub typically would have, you know, your labor costs, your rental costs, your food costs like, as being like, you know, th three main areas. Labor's taken care of by the government mostly. Um, rental, I think the government now has put some elements in place to say that you don't, uh, well, they're trying to come up with something with, with landlords and some are being playing nicer or, or not so. Uh, but but the, the, the supplier one's really interesting because I think uh, there's a real, uh, there's a supply chain that that needs to that that is at risk effectively, and 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 all these are small businesses also that 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 need to survive and go through. I'd love just to hear a little bit about how you guys are thinking through that, and what what do you think are are the risks there? Yeah, so I think we you know we are very mindful that that the that the money that we owe people is for stuff we have already had. So there's no there's no contention about whether we owe it or don't owe it or, or, or any of that so we're you know we start from the point of we owe this money um but obviously yeah you know we have to be mindful to existing shareholders um and also to the suppliers because if we if we don't come out the other side of this then then they lose a customer as well mm -hmm. so we as i sort of alluded to we, we're in the process of simplifying our supply chain uh, i guess the subtext for that is currently that means it's unnecessarily complex um so we've 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 really taken the view, certainly with our smaller guys, with the local guys, um, we have paid them in full and on time. Um, Amazing. That's been, um, and you know that gives us a great headliner. I mean, I've paid ninety percent of our suppliers in full and on time. Now that's true because that's ninety percent of the suppliers, but that's also probably you know single digits percentage of the money mm. that, that that we then owe. Um, so, so you know that's. A, that's the right thing to do. It's been, you know, it's a comparatively small sum of money. Those guys are embedded in our local community. And, and like you said, it's a different conversation with, you know, with the contract cleaner at one of our sites, because if we don't, if we don't pay her, she doesn't pay herself and, and the two people who work for her. Now that is immediately a knock on thing when you've got some of the bigger suppliers, you know, it's a different discussion. It's not as personal. It's not as impactful. So we've then, and I guess this, this, this has, has taken a lot of time. I've been, you know, picking up the phone to 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 the others, um, and with one one exception, who who I won't name. That's their call. That's how they chose to run it. Everyone has been prepared to listen, work out a plan, understand our situation, look at. You know, we've been pretty honest about, about that. We're in. You know, in some regards, we're in a relatively strong position. Um, but we haven't drawn down under sea bills yet. That's in process. And so, yeah, we've we've been honest and open and tried not to hide from anybody. Um, so again, you know, it's taken time. You know, we've got we've got six staff houses that we rent across the estate now, just dealing with those six estate agents. You know, they've been I don't know, probably an hour, two hours in total by the time you've made contact, got the information, gone back and forth a bit, and you know, so it's a long, slow slow process but broadly um people have been open to deferring you know paying you know every, it's been a different approach with a lot of people mm -hmm. but it's been really encouraging how how the 
that's going to say that more than the vast majority, because like I said, there's one that, that we haven't really been able to play any ball with. Um, and yeah, and the, we, the moment we, we paid their February invoices, we removed their catalogue from our purchasing system. So, you know, Celavia, I'm not saying whether they were right or wrong, um, but um, but that's the approach that we took. So, we, you know, we've been able to pay a portion of what we owe, different agreements with different people so that we can make sure that we get through to key cash dates for us. You know, the key, the, the most important one being being C-bills, um, but also making sure that, that we strike that balance between obviously, first and foremost, we, we've got to act in the shareholders' interests, but but a big chunk of that is is reputationally doing the right thing. I mean, you've seen <laughs> Mike Ashley and, 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 and Weatherspoons and, and some of those guys who have you know, who have got it wrong, you know, I, I, I'm not actually sure that the Weatherspoons, I'm not actually sure the policy decision that they made was, it wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as the headlines that went with it. Um, but yeah, it's sort of just, um, you know, I'm not saying we're them or we're that scale or people care that much, but if, you know, in the small villages where we are the hub of that small villages, that small village does care that much. And if you're not paying the window cleaner or you're not paying, you know, the local watercress supplier, then you know reputationally that 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 would hit you um so you know as well as doing the right thing um wherever we can um i think we've also been very mindful of the of the reputational piece particularly because we're based in small local communities yeah i i i totally agree with you i think to me that there's there's two when you talk about reputation and, and community, I think those are the two pieces through this crisis that people will remember, right? Did you support your local community and 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 did you act fairly and and and, and communicate with with these people? And I think that's amazing. You guys have have uh, the fact that you've taken the time to speak to to all of these is also a reason why they will want to continue working with you in the future and also will uh, will will you know will value and 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 uh, and and be willing to support you right so i think that the one that has reacted uh, not, not badly i think that that is a loss for them ultimately i think uh, yeah and you know they, they may have been in a different position where you know where if they didn't get that money in it, it would have been the end for them or something so yeah I, I, a couple of people have pushed me on other things to to name me i was like no 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 that's fine they, they knew what they were doing and they were probably doing it for their reasons so yeah. Yeah, it's true. You don't know everyone's uh, setup. Yeah, exactly. I t t totally exactly. agree with that. But but I do think that people like in this period, community and reputation, that those other things were, were going to come yeah. out of that. Yeah, uh, and I, I I I hope some of this, you know, this like I said, this reputation, this positivity, some of the change, some of the softening. I, I felt it in myself as well. Mm. You know, I still hope that in a year's time that we don't just go back to all of the things that were normal before. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I hope some of the positives in this, you know, are maintained. I'm, you know, whether I, I that think happens or doesn't happen. I, I think be... they will, because I think there's an element of new uh, uh, habits being formed. And also yeah. people, I think even, especially on things like environment, right? The fact that you walk down the road now and you're not breathing in polluted air, I think people yeah. will remember that and be like, it is yeah. possible, right? Uh, so I think that will... Uh, often people say crises accelerate things that are already happening, right? And 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 I think we're seeing that, right? People were more mindful about the environment, and they continue to be. Or and and also things like deliveries for 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 restaurants and stuff will 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 ha have been growing and will continue to do yep. so. I believe yep. in that way. Um, a question on the sea bills because I like I know a lot of people uh, like are thinking about that is. Uh, how was that process for you guys? Did that like? Did you find it? Uh, so we were well? we were in 
Yeah, we were in the very fortunate position. Again, you know, we, we have a good long-standing relationship with our with our primary lender. Um, we had a we had a lending facility secured against our against our assets. We had it in place, and we weren't fully drawn down. Um, so they were happy. They have been, and the reason that we weren't fully, we were drawn down to the level that our covenants w- would permit, but the facility was in place for higher than that. So, so um, it's HSBC, and again, I, I will give them a bit of a name check because because they've been fantastic. Um, they have allowed us to draw down um, out of our existing facility um, to make, um, you know, if you like business critical uh, payments. And that's given us, you know, it's given us good headroom and some flexibility. So our C-bills application um, is in. Again, Dave, you know, our, my account director has said, look, Rob, you're in, you're in better shape than, you know, I think she represents 30 plus businesses. She's like, Rob, you're in better shape than a number of these. Do you mind if I just, you know, if I don't put you number one in the queue because, you know, you're fine for now. So it's been a slightly longer process for us, um, but we've been in a stronger position because we've been able to get funds from other sources. Um, that said, we're hoping to be in a position to to pull down our C-bills amount at the end of May. But I know, you know, we, we have some big advantage in that is that we have, you know, we have 150 year leases on our on our pubs. So we have, you know, we have security. Um, we have a good trading history. I know smaller businesses, you know, shorter lease businesses um, um, and yeah, a, a pre-existing facility in place that meant we haven't had to do the legals and the security and all of those things that you know in normal circumstances take weeks or months um has really mm. uh, i was going to say a, a chunk of that is, is good fortune <laughs> um, um so the c-bills process you know slightly may not be the the best person to talk to because for us it's been mm-hmm. comparatively pain-free and comparatively simple but if we'd have been in a time critical position <laughs> um you know, I can see, uh, I can see, I can see that all in panic. So we're, you know, we're, we're still holding off on some of our bigger supplier payments um, until we've got the confidence that it's in, um, and then yeah, we'll look at whether we need to go again. Because initially, we, we, our application was based on a three-month closure period, and certainly, I think the feeling at that time was that opening would be quite a positive experience, and that there'd be sort of a rush back with all this pent-up demand. Well, I think that bubble burst reasonably quickly so yeah whether we have to uh whether we go back in again um we, we will see I, I, I you know hey i'm an accountant that's not my preference yeah uh, no. but um you know we we, we may have to you t- you touch there on what reopening might look like what what uh, like what what are you and this is a very hard question because no one no one knows right uh, but but I think it's an interesting one just to touch on is is what what do you think is likely to happen post lockdown is listed for for Upham and for the pub industry in general what's what is your view so I think we you know I guess we, we've got various different various different models running about you know when and and, and what initial sales might look like I, I think it's it I think we feel will be open in some formats, you know, st- still in the summer. That gives me a suitably vague timeline. Um, <laughs> and then, um, you know, I-, I think we feel there will be a, a period of-, of really heavily contracted sales. I think we're, we're-, we're modeling uh, down as down as low as 25% of prior year. Um, and then, you know, we- we're-, we're modeling up more exciting scenarios than that, but certainly, you know, suppressed. So, um, you know, it's going to involve, we some form of social distancing 
in terms of restrictions on numbers and spaces for people there's going to be customers are are going to want to you're going to have to proactively communicate with them that that what you have done and why you're doing it and how you've done it and what you're ensuring from a health and safety sanitation you know p- perspective that's got to be communicated really really clearly um you've you've got as I, as I touched on at the start you know people are not going to come you know we're comparatively you know higher pe- people are not coming to us because they are hungry people are coming to us because you know that they, they, they want a nice experience um so we got to be as mindful as we can of that we also think as you talk to but the other patterns you know i think there is going to be more working from home most of our sites are within commuter distance of london you know it's a strong strong part of our, our customer base you know guys who sort of you know people who you know travel in at the weekend and then come home mums um, and dads back back with their families you know if they're based at home more we're looking at you know the our day part offering in, in more often we think less might it be about lunch and, and and dinner service that there'll be a much more you know some of that community hub might continue that you become the coffee shop the office working space the you know the, the meeting room um i think will be you know we do some of that currently but i think there'll be more and more of it um, again, subject to, to, to what reopening looks like. So, yeah, I, I think we're expecting a period of contracted sales, um, you know, certainly probably for 12 months or more until, until you know, hopefully all elements of society feel safe and, and want to go out again and, and, and start enjoying. Um, you know, there's going to be an economic squeeze in there as well. You know, there's, there's going to be higher unemployment. There's probably going to be some inflation there's um so you know it's not going to be stand down the people's health and well-being reservations or their you know sentiment and desire to get there and there's going to be some financial restrictions on on people's ability you know, with their disposable income you know on the plus side there's going to be some pent-up demand in there you know definitely there's probably going to be greater restrictions on international travel um which again which makes our 13 hotels you know more attractive staycation options um virtually all of our sites have uh, all of our sites have outside space some of them have you know very big very attractive beer gardens you know we we, we feel that 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 will be a more attractive op- option for, for consumers um and again as you've touched on we're we're we begin trialing um in the next i think it's about a week away um uh, takeaway and, and delivery offers, um, which we, uh, which we've sort of looked at a little bit before, but haven't gone for. Um, you know, th- there's a period now where where we're going to trial it a couple of sites, see, see what we can learn, and you know, I, I think assuming that goes well and it's logical, I think that will become part of our business going forward. Where previously it hasn't really been a part of our business. Um, you know, obviously now it it makes sense to you know to do takeout and delivery because that's your only option, but also think there'll be there'll be a market at that and you know whether that becomes you know cook at home and which which we did a little bit in the in the period up to closure you know give people that sort of almost like that hello fresh um sort, sort of model uh again that was very well received particularly on sundays in the local communities you know, a number of our sites um could are, are, are full on sundays or they were um so is that another option for additional covers is that your covers are based in people's houses um 
and they do a chunk of the legwork, you know, out, outsource a bit of the supply chain back to them. Um, so there's lots of things on the table. You know, the danger is what scenarios do you plan for? You know, it's it's a scaled down team looking at a whole raft of things. You know, what sales level, what date, what delivery, op- you know, what options, what menus. Um, so yeah, that, that's the challenge is, you know, to not um, to not go up too many paths that, that don't yeah. turn out to be real. Um, but to make sure you do go up the path that does turn out to be real. Um, so that, that's quite I, I a agree with that. I think it's, it, there are so many things to consider. Like, for example, even as you say, you know, like, what is the operations of it? Like, is it, are we doing more deliveries? Are we going to be doing more click and collect uh, takeaways? But also like uh, something that uh, struck me in some of uh, some other chats also was people saying, well, I, I might even have to redo my menu because I'm an Italian restaurant and I get a lot of produce from Italy. Is that is that produce still going to be able to come in, right? Or, or, or will it be delayed or will, will people, you know, and, and, and so there are so many fundamental pieces. It's a real challenge and, and having to do this with a smaller team at the same time, right? It's, it's, uh, it's really hard. And, and do you think, like, how would you want the, to see the government supporting the reopening? Because I think that's the, I agree with you, they've done an incredible job till now. And I think the hard bit starts really now for them. Uh, and, and for the industry as a whole, how, how how do you want to see it done? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, some some kind of phased withdrawal of the furlough scheme um, from a business perspective would be, you know, would would be fabulous. You know, other if we can, you know, we all, all the all the staff we we have now, we we want to retain, you know, because we want to get our business back to the level where where we need them all and that we need to recruit more. Um, However, there's going to be a period where, you know, when we're open, where, where we don't need 400 staff. So if the government ca- can support that in some logical way, but I'm also, you know, very mindful that you know, their, their pockets can't be endlessly deep. So, you know, they're uh, just uh, as with all these things, you know, not just on the finance side of it, the the, the health and well-being, the, you know, the, the broader social and health issues of the government i'm just freaking glad it ain't my call um (laughs) same here (laughs) um so yeah some you know some support that recognizes that on day one sales are going to be contracted um but you know there's some element of that where where i think businesses are also going to have to you know stand some of that responsibility you know themselves um I think it's, you know, it would be a little idealistic to say, well, that's the government's problem. It's not mine. Yeah, totally. Um, we will have, we will have to cut our cloth, and we will have to have to uphold our end of the bargain. You know, because if, you know, the the, the government, if if they overextend themselves, you know, then we'll have a, you know, we'll have a financial issue for for a lot yeah, longer. Yeah. Um, so it's it's the balance, but. Yeah, first and foremost, I'm I'm glad it's not my call. Uh, <laughs> and and t- t- yeah, no, I, I I agree with you on that one. I think it would be so many dimensions to think of. It's uh, it's mind-boggling. Um, t- tell me, uh, t- talking about uh, like the skills that you think are needed to be a successful financial director in a in a uh, successful. Uh, F&B business as as uh, as Upham Group. I, I I'd love to hear uh, what what you think uh, are the are the traits that make you a successful financial director. Well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll I'll take the plus that you put successful in the front of it, Christian. So thank you for that. Um, 
I, I think it's it's a question I've been asked two or three times before, and I, I think I think breadth um, is is breadth of of knowledge rather than depth of knowledge. You know, we have we have two executive directors. Um, I'm an accountant. Our CEO is a surveyor by trade. Uh, you know, he's been in the pub sector. I mean, he, he's only 50, and he says he's been in the pub sector 40 years, so he started <laughs> early. Um, that leaves a lot of gaps. So I, I think of of all the skill sets that a small company FD needs, I think that the one that stands me in the best head is being comfortable that in nearly all situations, I am the least knowledgeable person in the room. So if I'm talking to our managers, you know, I'm talking to them about running pubs. Now, they know more about running pubs than me. If I'm in the kitchen talking to chefs, we're talking about food and menus and ingredients, and they know more about that than me. If I'm talking to the auditors, I'm talking about statutory accounts and accounting regulation. They know more about that than me. And on through all of the bits that I deal with, you know, IT, HR, insurance, you know, <laughs> talking to you guys at Tensor, you must think, well, this clown, he doesn't know anything. Um, so just having... Having that comfort that I don't know what it is, whether it's you know just the, the confidence to just continually ask the simplest question and not be phased that it's a really simple question until you get an answer that you understand. Um, and I, I think I think that that's probably key. Mm. Um, but that in itself think, is an incredible skill. Knowing which questions to ask is is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right, and, and just being comfortable asking asking what might be really, really dumb questions, because dumb question number nineteen, you know, super bright person who really knows will go, ah, actually, I hadn't we haven't thought about that <laughs> because almost they're sort of they're so knowledgeable that they miss, you know, one or two of the really obvious ones. So I think I've re- I did I had a bit of prep on this. I've written understanding partner. Um, you know, I think my, my wife is, you know, long, so I think anyone who does a, you know, almost any job in hospitality, it is, the hours are not normal. You know, I've been in hospitality for a dozen years now. Now I'm still very good mates with all of my guys that came out of uni. So, you know, I, I, I haven't had a bank holiday off for 12 years and yet every single Easter, Christmas, May, what are you doing for the bank holiday? Working. What are you doing for the bank holiday? When this happens 12 years in a row, just because they're all in, you know, corporates and that kind of stuff that stops on a Saturday and a Sunday and Easter. And they're so ingrained, you know, that, that even though they've, you know, they know that for so long. So, yeah, I think my wife, you know, long suffering because it's Christmas Day is our busiest mm-hmm. trading day of the year. So even, you know, even Christmas Day. And, and Mother's I, Day I'm too, right? Saying, yeah, yep. yeah, all of those. Thanks. Yeah, great. You just you're trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's you know you've got to have that understanding. You've got to you've got to want to be in hospitality. Um, I, I think I think that's key to to the success because there's a lot of elements of it that are you know there's a lot of elements that are fantastic. You know, you get service away and it's gone well. You know, the feedback you know, you is don't immediate. get that in too yeah. much. Very much yeah. so. Um, but yeah, but the trade-off for that's that's different. Um, yeah, and now I was going to say the third one I've written down is, is being able to 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 convey the messages between all the people that I deal with. You know, what, what is it that this deeply technical accountant or this deeply technical tax accountant is talking to me about? And then how do I actually translate the important bit of that to the guy on the ground who needs to know, you know, what that means for him? Mm-hmm. You know, running a happy hour at six o'clock or whatever it is. So just being able to move the communication between the people that you want 
being able to take the information in in one format and being able to convey it in a completely different format to a completely different audience because again there's that breadth of of, of who it is i deal with you know on a day-to-day -day. you know back in my days at channel four you know i had 12 qualified and part qualified accountants talking in, reporting into me broadly they all spoke the same language you know they were all young aspirational graduates wanting to get up the you know much easier yeah yeah <laughs> sometimes different yeah. different um but yeah you know you deal with you know we've got staff who you know can't don't don't read and write you know don't don't have email don't have mobile phones you know how do you how do you get the message out to them that they've been furloughed when you can't go and see them that you know there's bits like that that are challenging so that breadth of communication i think seems yeah I, I i that resonates big time i i, I remember from my days at hummus brothers doing uh, a was the hardest thing i've ever done running yeah. running a, a hospitality business <laughs> is very very difficult uh but also i agree this this the, the, the breadth of people you deal with is yep. is nothing like i think in in and and people don't people outside the industry don't realize the how complex that is yeah. to be able to think about like hey how am i communicating that to an accountant to a banker yeah. to one of the waiters etc it's 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 yeah. really say, it's really we, we touched on a bit earlier the, the the three years i did in the operational role I, I i think i learned i think i learned a lot of those skills some of that breadth because i did have a have a broader team of people to deal with it wasn't just you know office-based so I, I think that we didn't, you know, I think that was a crucial learning in that period, being able to talk an operator's language rather than an accountant's language. Big time. Yeah. Tell me, uh, in terms of uh, young people who are looking at the industry and thinking about getting into F&B, what, like, what advice would you give them? <sighs> make me, you do make me, that's a, that's a question for an old man, Christian. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I would, I guess, I, I would, I would encourage people to to to, to do it. Um, you know, I, I think it, I, I find it. You know, we we have a lot of guys um, in our team who are who are in hospitality as a stopgap while they're at uni, going to uni, going off to do something else, mm. trying to trying to to get them to realise that it's a career. You know, we've got uh, one of our managers, million and a half turnover site. He's twenty four now. You don't. You know, you, you you don't. There aren't many opportunities at 24 to have a pretty autonomous one and a half minute. You know, I, I'm I'm That's not saying amazing. he's the rule, but he's you know. Um, I would say, yeah, be realistic about about some of the drawbacks. You know, some of the hours, some of the. Um, but also, I think I mentioned, and it, it, I can see it suits for some and it doesn't suit for others. But you know, that buzz of service when when you get it right, you know, that is. That's something that you can keep. You know, the flip side of that is five minutes into service, you also know when it's going wrong. <laughs> you know, yes. that's not fun, um, but you learn quickly. Um, so I would say, you know, there is a buzz. You know, if you take an office job, you are a long time sat in that chair. You that that doesn't happen so much. And even in senior roles in hospitality, you know, you are out and about. You're you're, you're on the floor. You're with the guys. Um, so yeah, be realistic. You know, if if maximizing what you earn is what you want to do, then probably hospitality might might not be the way forward. But if you've got a broader um, a broader outlook and you're looking for you know balance and enjoyment and and a number of other things, then yeah, I think a career in hospitality, trying to trying to switch people's mindset 
away from it being a stepping stone job mm. um, into a career. And, you know, you, so many people end up in hospitality rather than target it as somewhere they'd like to be. Um, I, 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 th- I think the industry has to do more. Um, I think we need to sell the, the business management benefits of it, not just the hot, sweaty kitchen and the long hours, which because the labor's been in such short supply, which I guess might ease going forward, you know, it's been a question of, of a little bit of getting bums on seats. So um, across the piece. So, yeah, I, I think the industry needs to do more to make it look like a career. Um, but, yeah, I also think if we somehow you shift that mindset so that you know, people aren't just looking for white collar sort of graduate roles. Mm-hmm. Totally. So we're coming to the end and, and I like asking a few quick fire uh, questions uh, as you've probably seen from the ramblings this afternoon me and quick fire aren't always up there so i'll, I'll try hard uh, no it's been very very interesting so far i'm sure you're, you're going to do just just fine on these so um the, here comes the first one uh what was your favorite restaurant or pub uh, when we were still allowed to go out oh uh and you can't say one of your own okay uh the hand and flowers at marlowe cool uh why um, because the food is impeccable, the service is impeccable, but it doesn't come with any pretension. Amazing. Uh, favorite traditional pub meal? Oh, blimey. Um, <laughs> oh, it would be a cook breakfast. If, if that okay. does that qualify? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm with you on that. Yeah. I like a really nice cook yeah. breakfast. That's that. Yeah, that's a winner. Um, if you had to choose one of the three, starter, main or dessert? Oh, main probably. I can live without dessert. Um, and uh, yeah, I, oh, I can't. Yeah, see, dessert. Uh, sorry, main course, just because it would be bigger than a starter, broadly. <laughs> yes, fair enough. I agree with you on that one. I would probably go main over starter, but you know, dessert. Like, yeah, oh, savory, so, so, savory rather than sweet, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and finally, last meal on earth. Ooh. Ooh. Um, that is hard. Um, Probably a really, really well done roast beef. Um, um, yeah, probably that is quite pubby. Um, I, 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 I know which one of our pubs it would be from. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, are, are you, you going to say where you're going? Oh, I, t- I mean, I don't know. I d- I s- yeah, it would be the Thomas Lord at West Mian. Um But then, then instantly, now I've got fourteen other chefs who are going to be running after me with a cleaver <laughs> as soon as they're allowed to. The roasts are fabulous at all fifteen sites, but um, but the Thomas Lord at West Mian does, yeah, does something fabulous, and it's the right ambiance. It's a you know chocolate box country pub, you know roaring fire, beautiful gardens. It's now just sounding like an advert, isn't it? But um, yeah. I know, I, I, but and, and you know what? Given we're in lockdown, that just sounds even more incredible yeah, than it would roast, normally. You know? Yeah, roast beef, Yorkshire puddings. Um, yeah, keep awesome. it coming. Well, listen, Rob. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really enjoyed our chat. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Always good talking to you. And uh, I, I really hope uh, that we get out of this soon and uh, and that uh, Upham's goes, goes from strength to strength, which I'm sure it will. You guys are in a great, great spot. Uh, and uh, I look forward to uh, chatting again soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you want even more insights and tips, you can head over to Tenzo's blog, linked in the description, or follow at Tenzo Inc. on Twitter and LinkedIn, and Tenzo PPL on Instagram. Hope you have a great day.